ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Guess what happens when art and science collide? If you guessed a giant battery powered by human urine, I mean, it's not the first place my mind went, but each to their own, you'd be right. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. And this week, we're hearing from the curator of a place called the Science Gallery, a sometimes unholy but always thought-provoking marriage of art and science. Here's Tilly Voilin. I have a confession to make. I'm a massive nerd who's curious about the world and everything in it. I mean it. I am genuinely enthusiastic about pretty much every topic that someone who's got a passion for it talks to me about. It's like catnip for me. Seeing someone wanting to connect with you to share their knowledge, the best. So yeah, it's not going to shock you to learn that I'm an extrovert. Talking and engaging with people fills my cup, so I just wanted to be really clear about my bias before I continue. Because I come here tonight to talk to you about the enormous benefit of blurring boundaries and connecting with people and big ideas. I'm here to make the case for interdisciplinarity. I want to talk to you about how it is the key to coming up with creative solutions to the greatest challenges of our time and that we need to remove barriers between expertise, that has to be the new standard practice of collaboration because it is transformational to the way willing researchers think and connect not only to their area of expertise, but it will pull in and make space for the next generation of creative problem solvers. And With the list of challenges in front of us, we really need all the help, enthusiasm and expertise we can muster. Now, of course, I want to acknowledge that interdisciplinary practice is by no means a new thing. First Nations peoples have been working, thinking and researching in an interdisciplinary way for over 65,000 years on this country. And I pay my respects to their deep knowledges. So it's not new, but it's certainly been lost in the majority of our education system over the past century or so, where for people like me, the sciences and the arts were very much separated and siloed. I had to choose one path as I was coming through school. The sciences were subjects smart people did, and the arts were subjects creative people did, which never sat right with me, but the choice had to be made, and so I chose science. And don't get me wrong, science has been a delightful centre of my entire career. I started off as a microbiologist, in fact, but I uh, quickly discovered I was a better science gossip than a scientist. (laughs) I loved talking about other people's science rather than doing my own. And so I very quickly moved away from science research and into the more tangential sciences of broadcasting, festival management, education, and then really strangely for me, 
museums and galleries. And I say strangely because museums and galleries never felt like a space for me when I was growing up. I thought that they were filled with the other type of person, the creative ones. And so entering into that field just seemed totally unimaginable to me at the time. But there were science curators, mentors, who made a space for me and had conversations with me as a young person that transformed how I thought about the prospects for me, my interests, what the future might hold, what was possible. I became the health, medicine and science curator at the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney. And that was an incredible privilege of thinking about those fields and being part of a team of humans who choose for society what stories we tell about who we are, about what we make, about what ideas are important and whose voices are heard. And it was here in that collection that I first fell madly in love with Howard Florey, the Australian scientist who was the driving force behind arguably the greatest medical revolution of the last century, penicillin, the world's first widely available antibiotic. Now, Florey didn't discover the mould that produces that substance, but he did find and pinpoint the heart of the problem. And a huge part of how he did that and how he pushed through that innovation was his unconventional desire to collaborate. He brought people, expertise and information from a wide variety of scientific areas into one research group. These days, scientists working in different fields work together all the time in research centres. But 100 years ago, that just wasn't the case. Florey's lab at the University of Oxford was an early example of real-time collaboration between usually separate groups. In this case, it was all groups within sciences, biologists, bacteriologists, biochemists, medicine, and each of those scientists were experts in their own field but came together under one roof to discuss and develop experiments. They invited different perspectives, that spark of ideas, from their learned colleagues. And it was that spark and connection that happened between these people, those brains, those different ways of thinking, that got to the heart of the problem and meant they could magic new solutions that pushed through and brought us penicillin. Collaboration between the sciences is standard practice now, which is great, but we really now need to push out of that comfort zone into making interdisciplinary connections more valued, more supported and make this the new standard practice. Creating space for different disciplines to really come together and spark off one another. Interdisciplinarity and experimentation are at the heart of Science Gallery, where I'm at at the moment. It's not quite a research laboratory. It's not quite an art gallery, as you'd know it. It's a different space that welcomes being in between disciplines and knowledges. My favourite way to describe what we do is that we curate connections, and I guess you can think of us kind of like the Tinder of research. <laughs> we aim to be a conduit that brings together people who would never have otherwise met. It creates a space for them to be together. And sometimes it makes a lasting union 
creating something beautiful and meaningful. <laughs> and sometimes it creates a bin fire. <laughs> Humans are complex creatures after all. But I truly believe that both those outcomes have interesting things to examine and both create questions and reflections that wouldn't have been possible separately. Interdisciplinary practice is sometimes a space of discomfort. The shows I curate are really part exhibition, part experiment, and I often have people explaining to me that there isn't enough science, while at the same time people explain there isn't enough art. And look, doing things differently to the norm is totally upsetting. I get that. It's unsettling <laughs> sometimes. But it is such fertile ground to pose questions and change people's perspective and thinking. For our disposable season, we asked for proposals that reimagine waste. Artists particularly come to those open calls pitching ideas. And we had an artist, Gaspar Bebe, propose a huge, beautiful glass sculpture that would sit on a plinth and be filled with his urine. <laughs> Gaspar was looking to transform the perception of urine uh, into a valuable resource by platforming it and putting a tap on the side, filtering it and allowing our visitors to drink clean water. And I loved the concept, but I wanted to connect Gaspar to someone from another discipline, to spark off, to discuss the possibilities. Enter Professor Peter Scales, a chemical engineer at the University of Melbourne. Now, as soon as you let an engineer in the room, they want to make things work. <laughs> they want to show, not tell. So what this project morphed into was a spectacular glass shipping container filled with flasks and tubes and plants. Basically, with their creative powers combined, they created an enormous battery powered by human urine. If you came and donated a small section of your Wii, you could plug your phone in and charge your battery using the microbial fuel cells generated by your Wii. Disgust and humour are really excellent ways to connect to audiences. Curiosity and creativity are fundamental elements in both the scientific process and the artistic one. So my challenge to you is to step into that uncomfortable space, to create more spaces where people can come together to discuss, debate, converse and share. I guess just like this one. All hail Occam's Razor. <laughs> that was Tilly Boylan, Head of Curatorial at the Science Gallery in Melbourne. She was speaking there at our Occam's Razor live event at the Royal Society of Victoria on Wurundjeri land. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'll be back with more thought-provoking, or downright provocative, science next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.